As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. All right, everybody working up. Everybody's working. With that time, Jersey. We knew we were most likely going to do an episode of Time Czars here on The Athletic at some point over the course of this week. We figured there would be some news of some sort. We could maybe even look ahead to the NFL draft. Maybe we have time for a couple of questions. <laughs> well, dear listener, I, uh, I hope you're not waiting on us to break the news for you. But some things have changed in the last week or so since the last edition of Time Czars. Like, the Chiefs have... A dozen draft picks coming up, I think, more or less. Tyreek Hill is a member of the Miami Dolphins. Marquez Valdez-Scantling is a member of the Kansas City Chiefs. Juju Smith-Schuster, currently, as of the moment of this recording, wide receiver one, I guess. We've got a lot going on here, and we've got a good amount of time to talk about it. Welcome in to what is going to be... I'm going to say a relatively quick to the point, minor, minimal nonsense edition of Times Ours, because there's just a lot. I'm Joshua Briscoe, Nate Taylor, Seth Kaiser, we're the trio here. Guys, how have your last 36 hours or so been? Because I picked a really dumb time to go on a brief road trip to see a concert <laughs> in St. Louis. <laughs> was And by the way, was it, was it, was it enjoyable? Worth it. Absolutely. Okay. It was incredible. Because it was... Remind me, because uh, we're, yeah. we're we're friends, ladies and gentlemen. This was yeah. impacted originally by the, you know, the that, the general, that thing in the air, the thing the with general, the stuff, the general unpleasantness. Yeah. So the real the real Cliff's note story here is that I was really excited to go see Glass Animals in September in Kansas City. Um, instead of going to Glass Animals that night, I went to the hospital. And so those tickets didn't get used. And so I, you know, spent the next several days there. I was varying forms of out of it for that whole day. And then, you know, the remaining uh, couple of days of that hospital trip as well. So one of the first things we did, Renee and I, one of the first things we did after we kind of got all of our bearings post diabetes and all of that was, hey, Glass Animals is going to be in St. Louis in March. Same tour, like leg two of it. Let's go. So we bought tickets. This thing has been on my calendar. I've been excited about this for months and months. We get set off on the trip. We've dropped Scout the dog off at her parents' house. We have pulled in to grab some coffee and breakfast. I get a text. I look at my phone. Then we have to head to St. Louis. So that was, 
That was mm. my bad timing. You know, how dare I think that a, a Tuesday in March might not have franchise-altering <laughs> news for the Chiefs? Uh, um, well, I, I'm glad I'm glad someone listened to quality music while others <laughs> were being, you know, sung to in a different manner on, <laughs> on either side. Hey, what song did Drew Rosenhaus sing to you? Oh, it was such a good song! Woo! <laughs> 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 um... Okay, ladies and gentlemen, uh, look, let's just dive in. Let's get to it, baby. Uh, as I've reported and written in The Athletic, things went south uh, about a week ago. It was all good just a week ago. Just a week ago. So, Devontae Adams uh, gets his deal. The Raiders are like, whoo, we got a number one receiver. And Drew Rosenhaus is like, Ah uh, yes, and see, I thought. Uh, let me let me let me back a little. Let me back up a little bit. Um, I thought, ladies and gentlemen, that the that the Green Bay Packers weren't trading Devontae Adams because you know Aaron Rodgers exists, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so in this world that I thought was going to happen, as I'm sure the Chiefs and and a lot of people within the landscape of the league. Hey, if Aaron Rodgers is back, yeah, she placed a franchise tag on Devontae Adams. He will have roughly up around June 30th to figure out whatever two-year deal masquerading as a one-year giant deal or whatever. Um, because it was clear that like he wanted to tie himself to Rodgers for only a certain length of time because Rodgers is getting up there in years and it appears that he might retire as a Green Bay Packer. So, he was not supposed to set the market, but the Raiders were like, Hey, you want this first and second and you want to make the most money in the league. Um, and from the chief standpoint, and I even think from like drew and Tyreek's version of this at one point in time, Hey, this, it'd be nice. If we got this extension done around March because yes, that helps you in free agency because it creates more cap space for the chiefs. But realistically, as I had said before, this is probably a may, June, July thing after free agency and uh, and the NFL draft. Well, once one guy gets traded for a market setting deal, uh, I've asked everyone that I've come in contact with over the last roughly 30 hours, fellas. If someone said to you, what you do for a living, you can make the most money at that. You 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 gonna do it? I would like the most money that I could get with my thing. Sure, and Love you that. can li- and you can live in Miami, mm. and it's no state income tax. Hearing some, I'm hearing some real positive factors. Listener, listener, dear listener, thank you. Love you. You can make the most money that you're doing right now. And this will be the only opportunity for you to make the most money at what you do right now. And you can live in in Miami and that that state income tax little little different over there than than where you currently might be listening to us. Um this is just this is just an agent doing doing his thing. And I can't I understand both sides. I understand the agent going to the player and saying, look. Uh, if they won't do it, I know some teams that will. Mm. And 
It only takes two, ladies and gentlemen. It only takes two. Uh, the New York Jets were like, I guess we'll be in this. I guess we'll push the price up. Sure. Uh, we'd love to have them. Um, even though I think most people understood that it was Miami uh, as the front runner for, for much of this. And he told the Chiefs that he wasn't going to play there anymore just because someone was going to give him more money. So uh, I thought the Chiefs did him a favor in some sense. And we're going to get back to that mm-hmm. in a little bit. Um, and the Chiefs felt like they did the best they could from a draft compensation where a non star quarterback generated five picks in return, three of which will be in this upcoming draft class, uh, a first, a second, a fourth, and a fourth and a sixth next year. Um, So, you know, I know the fellas at fourth and one, Nick Jacobs, Todd Palmer, uh, I know they had mentioned this earlier, like, hey, Drew Rosenhaus, really good at his job. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you gain leverage in these un- usual unforeseen circumstances um, and you strike by the irons hot. And that's what any agent is supposed to do for his client. And now the question that I'm going to ask to both of you fellas is given everything I just said, let me just, let me just ask it for everybody guys. Let's, let's take a deep breath. Let's, let's really send a prayer. The one question that no one has given me a definitive answer that makes any sense to me in just the vacuum of this question is why in the world would you stop catching passes (laughs) from Patrick Mahomes? I I think I have a good answer to that. And I think you kind of covered that with your with your buildup. I mean, if you can get paid, I mean, I believe Hill said at his uh, presser today. Yes. He straight said it. He's yep. like, look, if someone's going to come in here with a lot of money, and it's it's interesting thing, and I think at a certain point, money feels like it becomes less than real when you start talking about large amounts. Mm-hmm. And so let's say, you know, because, okay, his contract for starters, it's not really a $30 million a year contract. Hey, 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 hey what you doing? Drew Rosenhaus don't need you to say this. Yes. We're trying to get Rosenhaus on this podcast. It's a Drew Rosenhaus is great at his job and hitting that $30 million mark, that it... The, some of the numbers there are fiction, and that's hey, but standing ovation nonetheless. Yep, yep. But that's but that's as an agent, you can tell your player you got them a thirty million dollar a year deal, and players know they, they understand the business. They know what's real and what's funny in money. But if you think that players don't carry around their contracts as carrying some weight in the locker room, carrying some weight with clout then you don't believe literally anyone that's ever talked about the subject. Like, that matters. Uh, they view that as respect. They review that. that that's that's a thing. And so 30 a year. Now, is it really 30 a year? No. It's, what is it? It's basically like I'll 75 give you, I'll million give, for three years. I'll give you the exact breakdown of that in a second. Yep. And so, but even, and so what, what people think about the Chiefs from everything that was being kind of thrown around, you're talking maybe 21 million a year, something like that. Mm-hmm would probably be the more realistic stuff. And I don't think the Chiefs were probably as willing to throw on maybe some of the fluff. Maybe they were willing to. Who knows? Um, 
And I think what happens with people is they say, well, $4 million a year when you're already making that much money isn't that much money. Uh, my, my counter to that would be it's $12 million. Mm-hmm. And no one's going to say no to $12 million for the most part, even wealthy people. And even if you just view it as a percentage, that's a big percentage. Like if someone were to come to you and say, hey, you can get a, like if you think of it in terms of percentages per year, you can get a 20% raise. That's, 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 that could be life-changing for anyone. Mm-hmm. Um, imagine if that, you know, your boss came in tomorrow and said, hey, I'm going to raise your, I'm going to raise your pay 20%. I'd be like, <laughs> What? That's awesome. Like, I mean, any of us would. And so that's a part of it. Also, he flat out said, I love Miami. This is like my home. I yeah. which somebody tweeted they already has a house there. I didn't know that. And right. I'm also now I'm now quoting right. somebody on Twitter, so not my greatest journalistic <laughs> moment, but <laughs> hey, to be fair, I did it last week, so there you go. <laughs> How about um, that? Yeah, the last the last podcast we did, none of those receivers I mentioned in the intro had their had their current homes, and also Deshaun Watson was a Falcon. Yeah, no, it was there was a lot going on. It's been there. a busy week, holy. And bleep. so, I mean, really, you, you have someone offer you that much more money, and as I think Kansas City is a great town, but I'm already planning my next vacation to Florida. Like, there's wow. a reason it's a vacation destination. Wow, you know, oh, honestly, it. you know, Tyree Tyree not- Kill. Tyree Kill saying Kansas City sucks and going and heading to Miami. That's one thing. You know, I can live with that. But you, Seth, saying on this podcast that you hate Kansas City I, and would rather be in Florida? Really? I oh, man, just, Seth. I don't know. That's a tough one for me, man. I'm just saying that. More like, I, more like a real fair, FL Chiefs I would fan, pick huh? Kansas City because I can't handle heat. Why don't you just go, why don't you just go cover the Dolphins <laughs> since you love Miami so much? Oh. Why don't you, why don't you go you cover a so Flororida football at, team honestly, from Minnesota? I hurt myself. What is that? It just hurt myself. Anyway, so I, I think that that really is, it comes down to that. Money is a big deal. And if you're the Chiefs, I do think it's good that maybe the lesson they learned from the Frank Clark deal. I don't think the lesson there is never trade for a veteran player. I don't think the lesson there is never give out a big contract. Mm-hmm. I think the lesson there is have a limit. Yeah. It can't be at all costs because you see if you do an at all costs deal and it doesn't work out, like people want to talk about Joe Tooney's contract and I get that. He's getting paid more than a guard probably should be. Mm-hmm. People want to talk about, you know, I don't even even know Patrick Mahomes deal or Chris Jones's deal. But you want to know what really hurts the Chiefs still? Frank Clark's deal. Yep. Yep. Like that you you get it that wrong, you get it catastrophically wrong. And with with Hill, it's not like they would have needed to trade anything, but I think maybe the lesson they learned there is you have to have a limit with what you're willing to do. And I think they hit that limit. And what can you do? So then you try to make some lemonade. So I, I've got, I'm going to give you the details here, and then I've got a, a question for each of you, and that'll take us through as much here as possible. It also did dawn on me again as we've been talking here that the Juju signing hadn't even happened last episode. So I do want to, yeah. I want to take us a beat to talk about him, and, and as Seth re- requested, we just start calling him MVS. I think that's reasonable, um, because, uh, Marquez Veldez Scantling doesn't roll off the tongue quite as easy as Tyreek Hill. You know, you can, you can punch. Poof, Tyreek Hill, boom, right there. Marquez <laughs> Veldez-Scantling and Juju Smith-Schuster, starting with McCole Hardman, is a it's, a... it's a lot of letters for the nameplates for the, the receiver room this year. <laughs> um, but so here's the, the official numbers 
The Chiefs get a first, second, and fourth in this year's draft. That's number 29, and they already have 30, so back-to-back there right now. 50 and 121, and then also a fourth and a sixth in 2023. The contract numbers here, the the year-by-year breakdown that Over the Cap has right now, gives Hill a $6.2 million cap number in 2022, a $31.2 million cap number in 2023, and then about 25 the next year and about 28 the year after that. There is a $50 million cap number in 2026. None of that is guaranteed at all. They, he will not be playing for $50 million in 2026. There's no world in which that happens. They'll re-sign or extend him or restructure before that, or they, you could cut him for $5 bucks at that point. Um, so, I mean, at the very least, you can look at, at four years that go 6, 31, 25, 28. It's a lot of money, um, but that that's the, the nuts and bolts of it. I, Nate, I'll start with you on – no, you know what? I want to hear this from Seth first before we have a chance to be analytical. Seth, I want to know how you feel about this. I don't want to know if you like it or not. I don't I, – I mean, I guess that's part of it, but I, I don't want you to rationalize it or kind of look at the strategy of it just yet because we're, we're going to do sure. that. But I'm curious how this felt whenever you saw it and also when you saw the return. It's not what I would have done. I, I I don't like it from that perspective. It's not what I would have done. I don't like the way it feels. And what, anytime you have a genuinely unique player, like not just great, and Tyreek Hill's a great football player. He's awesome at it. But he's also unique and a player who genuinely dictates coverages, even if they didn't take advantage of it as much as I think they should have last year. Uh, that's tough to get rid of at any price. And I tend to be of the opinion and, and I'm willing to be talked into it viewing things the other way. Cause if you, and you told me not to do this, so I won't do it too much, mm-hmm. but you know, the analytics side of things, all this other stuff, but I'm generally of the opinion that stars win games in every sport. Mm. And at the end of the day, oftentimes what decides, so you want to th- like, here's an example, Matt Stafford, Jared Goff, Analytically speaking, when you look at their stats, their their efficiency stats in very different situations, they look like relatively similar quarterbacks, but they're not. Mm-hmm. And you saw that because a star makes a flipping no-look throw. That was it. That, that throw in the Super Bowl was unbelievable. Stars make plays. Plays win games. If you know you're going to be in the playoffs, it comes down to a one-off, Right. And those one or two plays matter so much. And Tyree Kill is a difference maker in that regard. So that I didn't like it. I still don't love it. That's how I feel. Yeah. Okay. So and here's something, Nate, that I'm maybe this is this is one of the things for me. I'll, I'll I'll say this also real quick, just so everyone knows where I'm coming from. I also don't love it. And I do love the idea of getting cheaper and younger in in all, generally speaking. I am pro get cheaper, get younger. But Tyreek Hill is not generally speaking. It is Tyreek Hill speaking in this offense with Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid and what we've seen in his career with the Chiefs. So uh, even though I think for me, my my bias is to be in favor of a move like this one, I don't think anybody should feel good about it. Like that to me is insane. Like people could say, you know what? I actually believe this will be good for the Chiefs in the long run. We'll talk about that. I'm happy to make an argument for that if we need to. But I don't think it would make sense for any Chiefs fans to feel good today. Nate, I, I want to know, 
on on two levels here. What what the Chiefs' plan is now, like what, you know, they make this move with what in mind, but also I don't. For me, looking at looking at the the Dolphins deal, I would have bet the Chiefs would have signed up to extend Tyreek Hill to this contract. You've reported that they were working on a deal with him for a long time. Right. It seems like the gulf there wasn't too enormous, especially once you realize that $50 million number at the end is as good as a void year. So I'm curious why the the gap between where the Chiefs were and where Hill and Rosenhaus were, I'm curious how that became such a big sticking point. And, and I'm also wanting to know what the Chiefs' plan is now through what you know. Yeah, so... Um, to Seth's point, I mean, yeah, they, they have to, I mean, there's so many circumstances, right? The Devonte Adams part gets involved. Uh, the idea that, um, you're trying to restructure a player on a normal schedule. And then that player realizing, uh, they want it sooner rather than later. Um, Orlando Brown sort of figures into this. Um, mm. and here's where it gets tricky, right? A year ago, the Baltimore Ravens did Orlando Brown a favor. I just, the more I think about it, the more I can't really move off of that, where he could have played at right tackle really, really well for another year, the last year on his rookie deal. Um, But the team decided that uh, they knew he didn't want to be back. Um, they could have sent him to a bad team. Mm-hmm. In fact, they sent him to a conference rival uh, who desperately needed him. And all they got back was like, you know, the 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 high mark was getting back a late first round pick. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the time, Orlando Brown was nowhere near as accomplished as Tyreek Hill. So it's tough when the Chiefs were further along than the Ravens were with, with Orlando Brown in terms of negotiations, trying to figure out if that place and if that player, uh, if that person was going to remain in the organization for, uh, you know, another part of their career. And the Chiefs just did not want to, the Chiefs didn't want to be impacted by what another team did. And it's fair for them to come to that conclusion, I believe. Um, it's fair for Andy Reid and Brett Veach to say, can you play on a 23, 22, maybe 24 at, at like the high mark? And if it's, and if it's 24, we've got to structure it in a way that um, it benefits us and not you, right? Uh, and from the agent and the player standpoint, um, this comes down to, and I wrote this, you know, at the time, of where Tyreek Hill is at age 28, knowing that he can't be the fastest receiver in the league his entire career. I mean, that would be mm-hmm. wild. Mm-hmm. There will be some level of you know regression. Um, this was his best opportunity to make, to, and really, I, I almost you know want to assume that it will be his only opportunity to be the highest paid receiver in the league. Because the person I thought of yesterday. And I know this doesn't relate to Chiefs fans, but, um, you know, boys, Tyreek Hill is not the best receiver in the league. And neither is Devontae Adams. And you want to know who Christian Kirk is. (laughs) (laughs) No, sorry. Okay, sorry. Man, I thought I had it. Damn. I mean, who I voted 
for the league's MVP award. And I kind of feel like I got it right. Because mm-hmm. you vote, you know, in terms of being a, a member of the Pro Football Writers Association, like, you put your vote in before the postseason starts. But, fellas, anybody want to take a guess at who the best receiver and who was the MVP in the league last year? In my Cooper Cup, baby. It's Cooper yeah. Cup. Yeah! Mm-hmm. Uh, man, Cooper Cup, he living a great life. Uh <laughs> the Rams do not want him to hire Rosenhaus. <laughs> the Rams don't want him to look at Twitter. The Rams right. want him. Cooper Cup, I know this isn't true, but he looks like he oh. might just live like in a just in a shed somewhere that he just, just you know, he's just he's just tilling the earth and, and pulling water up from a well. They would like to get him away from any sort of uh, hey. internet capable device. Hey, he's just grinding through the tape and he sees all the tendencies and he knows all the options on his routes and he's excellent. Uh but yeah, so look, Tyreek Hill got to a point where he called everybody and said his goodbyes, and the Chiefs did him a favor. And so, you know, they understand how important he was to their organization, to their production on the field. The idea that, like, you know, he is the most lethal weapon in the league. Um, as I wrote in The Athletic, he and Pat were a perfect match, which is why Brett Veach in 2016 was just killing Andy Reid because he's like, can you imagine these two being paired up, both of them sort of around the prime of their career or the early portion of their career? Um, it's just tough because I think the Chiefs didn't want to do it, but it's but it's a business ladies and gentlemen and if you want to operate um not just this year but in future years at a high level from a business standpoint um they have decided that there are a lot of receivers in the draft class that they admire uh they were already hosting um you know Mr. Scanton mhm and that deal, I was told yesterday, was likely to be done, and that has occurred today uh, on on we, Thursday. We don't have Thursday. the real real numbers on that yet. It's so we, it's it's a two year, eighteen million dollar deal, masquerading as a three year, thirty to thirty six million dollar deal, depending upon incentives. Is my understanding works for it. me? That sounds great. Yeah, so he's you know he's basically around that eight point five nine million a year for two years because I think the argument is. At this time of free agency, he's the top deep threat wide receiver available to at least reproduce some of the skill set production, you know, route tree formation type stuff that you that you want to do or that you may want to get to in this new iteration of the offense. Um, But, yeah, it's it's things happen so fast in this league um, that you have to have multi faceted plans. And Brett Veach talked about that in free agency. He talked, to, or he talked about it at the combine. Excuse me. He talked about that in terms of free agency, in terms of the draft, right before the season end. That you can't just have one path, and honestly, you can't just have three. Like these things are so um, built in a certain way that you kind of choose your own adventure. And I thought the Chiefs were going to have to make one or two hard decisions, and now they're getting to like two to three to four to five. Mm-hmm. in this offseason. Um, and so that's the way it's gone. But 
you benefited a year ago with Orlando Brown. And his extension needs to get done the way it's supposed to get done. To keep him in the prime of his career as the blindside protector of Patrick Mahomes. Mm -hmm. You lost the trade yesterday. And it's a matter of how long are you going to lose the trade because it because the Dolphins are now benefiting from what you just benefited from a year ago. And is this an even trade in two years' time? And do the Chiefs slightly benefit in three years from this deal based on them losing it yesterday and likely most of the 2022 season? Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So you guys have both gotten the, the very beginning of this out, and so I'm gonna I'll give my quick thought on it, and then I, I've got a, a real schematic query for you, Seth. And I don't know it's something you're gonna have a real answer to, but you might have maybe the beginning of one. Uh, but on the actual trade terms, my immediate instinct upon seeing it was absolute disappointment f- towards the Chiefs side here. Not because it's not a lot of picks. It is. We've talked some about like the depth of this roster and the long-term health of the roster. And it, I I would be thrilled if Brett Veach actually used 10 picks in this draft after using six every other year as the GM and having all these picks and having two first round talents if they are able to go 29 and 30 or maybe they move up a little bit. I hope they do make two first round picks though. But even with all of that, the reason that I immediately was was a little disappointed on the, the Chiefs' return is because Jalen Waddle wasn't in the trade. Or with the Jets, it wasn't going to be one of their two high first-round picks. It wasn't going to be any first-round picks from the Jets. And I don't know, to your point, Nate, the Chiefs are losing the trade at least this year. <laughs> like, it feels, it, it feels impossible for them to use all of the picks and all the cap space they have now to have a better 2022 than they would have with just having Tyreek Hill. I understand it's a little bit of a false choice with everything you said about all the contracts and everything, but you also mentioned the plan. And for me, to free up that cap space now feels like the plan was changed for the Chiefs, not that they changed their plan, which I think also probably aligns with what you're saying about the, the contract negotiation and everything there. Um, I think Seth said they they made lemonade, right? Yep. You, you don't let, and they had to do that with Frank Clark. I, I think we used that phrase uh, on the show at some point. Like it, it feels like the chiefs on a couple of, on a couple of occasions have been forced to make lemonade with lemons that they didn't intend on buying. And that, that makes me feel almost worse than the trade itself, because if it would have been a pre free agency trade and then everything else would have lined up, or if they would have gotten a real difference maker in return, that would have changed some things for me. This 
this feels like a lot of picks, and I understand that, but it, it feels like selling low on a player that is incredibly unique in a way that has you know been among the engines of this offense. I don't know if it's been the engine of this offense, but uh, Seth, if I if I push you schematically here now, I, I want to know what the Chiefs' offense looks like. What's different? without Tyreek Hill. I think your answer might begin with the word everything. I don't know. But on like a on a on a real literal level, they bring in Juju Smith-Schuster, they bring in Marquez Valdez-Scantling. They're going to draft a receiver somewhere high, I have to think. Um there's been a little bit of a murmur here oh, there, yeah. and also an anti-murmur on on Tyler Lockett yeah. and DK Metcalf and whatnot. By, but I by, think they By the way, Jess, I forgot to answer that part. Um yes. Uh Valdez Scantlin was part of the plan. The other part of the plan is uh, making a move to get a legitimate receiver high in the draft. You say making a move, which doesn't sound like waiting until 29 gets around, which makes me a little nervous. I didn't say that. I didn't say I didn't you said say making a move. You said making a move. You said that. You, you said you, making a move. You said that. No, you said that. We can check the tape and we'll roll this one back. Uh, but Seth, I mean, I just what? hope I just hope fans enjoy that part. I didn't I say, I didn't say it the way Josh said it. That's true. I just That's said, true. I just I said, a move to go get a receiver. A I've just, I've just heard you talk a lot, Nate. That's all. <laughs> a move but to go get a receiver. You don't go interesting, right? Like, you know what I mean? Oh, you said. Uh, by the way, we should also talk. Maybe this is towards the end. Who have you fallen in love with in the first round? Because I already got somebody. Ooh, excellent. And this, is a, and this is like a personal preference. This is not, you know, team related at, at this point. At least not, um, they have not aligned in this way. Okay. Well, yeah, I, I absolutely am ready for that. That just like Nate's wide receiver crush of the, of the week or of the year, whatever. It sounds good to me. Um, but I mean, what what's going to change here, Seth? I've I've seen some really interesting um, sort of early thoughts from some some smarter football minds than mine on Twitter, kind of kicking around some things that could look like schematically different for the Chiefs because you've lost mm-hmm. Tyreek Hill, Juju Smith-Schuster, and Marquez Valdez-Scantling are two very different receivers, which I honestly think both of them are very interesting. What what does this open up for the Chiefs' offense? What does this close off for them? And whatever background you need to give on Juju and MVS, you need whatever from your reviews you finish on Juju up at the Chief of the North newsletter. You take all the time you want. This is Nate and I. I've been interviewing Nate for the last uh, 20 minutes, and, and I want to hear you talk. <laughs> so, so much of my review of, of Juju Smith-Schuster revolved around <laughs> how he yeah. how he fit in. Yeah. And that that's... that's I didn't, that didn't so hit me until just when now. you, That's but the fine. thing is, it's interesting with them signing MVS. Um, you can still see how Juju Smith-Schuster fits in, um, because if you look at like their reception perception uh, with Matt Harmon, who does a fantastic job with receiver stuff, and then just watching them, I'm only one game in on MVS right now. You have been interviewing Nate quite a bit, so I may or may not have finished one of the games while you did that. It's, um, you were really disengaged during it. You didn't try to interrupt at all, and so I knew you were doing something. I, I, I'm trying to work on not interrupting people. I've been told I interrupt people occasionally. I don't think that's a big of a problem. That's, the part, of, that's part of the show <laughs> chemistry, though. 
Yeah. <laughs> I don't think it's that big of a problem. I like, I like how you I like said that really th- fast, taking away my ability to do the joke where I interrupted you right as you said it because you knew I was going to do that. The I three like of that. us have an internal around the horn-esque sort of system here where every time a person finishes a sentence with a period, they get a point, and we were playing defense against the other two. <laughs> <laughs> I really like that idea, and I'm curious who's winning that. So the reason I bring up... Uh, I don't know, Nate. Who do you think's winning that? Sorry. <laughs> I'm done. That was it. I'm only so one. So Juju Smith-Schuster, and I I seriously can't I can't say his name. MVS. Someone say his name again. Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Marquez! MVS is fine. Marquez Valdez. Yeah, I'm going to stick with MVS. I just, I, I I just, say, I just like saying Scantling. Scantling. That's good. Um, their, their, their skill sets are very complementary to one another. Their, their route trees in, in terms of the routes that they succeed on are basically a funhouse mirror of one another. Hmm. Um, and so the, the short, the reason I talk about that, so with Juju Smith-Schuster, he wins on slants, on quick outs, uh, run, going to the flat, um, you know, short curls, comebacks, things like that. He wins there, and then he, he makes stuff happen after the catch. He's a big, strong receiver, plays very tough. Really, really tough receiver. Really, really tough after the catch. Really, really competitive with the ball in the air. Um, handles contact well. Really a guy, like if you watched last year, it's like, he's the he's the missing piece. He's what they needed. Well, <laughs> they filled that in, and then it's like, well, now we're going to take away this giant piece. So the, the short answer in terms of what they change schematically, I'm curious if they move away from RPOs a little bit. It is a staple of their offense right now. They're gonna, not going to move away from it all the way. I think you're just going to see Juju gets a lot of those. But they love running RPOs to a quick slant to Hill. They love it. And that's because Hill can turn those into 10 yards, just like clockwork. Juju Smith-Schuster can as well, but it's a little bit of a different way. Mm. Um, and he doesn't draw the defense the same way, so you might see actual runs on RPOs right. occasionally. Um, so that that's one thing, but that's a maybe. The short answer here is I'm not sure. I would have said something different prior to them signing MVS because he's a very, at least what I'm seeing so far, again, I'm only one game in, but he's got he's got really good deep speed. Um, he accelerates quickly for a big guy, and he is six a big four. guy. Yeah, he's 6'4". Um, he's got really long strides, and he he accelerates quickly, has great top speed, um, and seems to track the ball pretty well in the air. He's a legitimate deep threat. And so with him and McCole Hardman, although he's been used more as like a gadget type guy, and I think he really found his niche last year down the stretch. Yeah. Where it's like, we're going to use this guy like a roided up DeAnthony Thomas, and it works because he's so fast. Now, you can also use him as a deep threat, but he doesn't track the ball super well. We'll see. You know, that can change. It might not change. But now they do have one legitimate, consistent deep threat. And then you do have Hardman who can pull defenders to his side as well. That changes the analysis a bit because you don't have to necessarily say, oh, well, they're going to be, you know, even more conservative, right? They're going to really lean into what they did to win last year down the stretch as teams did all this cover two stuff. And you also can't say with MVS there and Hardman still in existence and seeing what else they do that teams are just going to, oh, well, they're not going to play a ton of cover two anymore because I have a feeling that what happens and what teams do to defend them is going to really depend 
Teams don't know what to expect now. You might see teams still come out in those cover two shells saying, hey, he's still Patrick Mahomes. MVS is a legit deep threat. So we're still going to try this to see if it works. They might try to be more aggressive, but all it really takes is one, you know, 70 yard touchdown for teams to say, ah, crap. You know, we were hoping things would be different, but the teams were really dictated in how they defended the Chiefs last year by always, always, always um, basically rotating coverage to make sure that Tyreek Hill was bracketed. They don't have to do that anymore. And so I wonder if the Chiefs have to get back to more full field reads, to to fewer RPOs, to a little more what you'd almost call like a conventional spread type offense. As opposed to some of the more niche stuff they've done based purely around Hill's talents. That is a complete non-answer answer. No, no, no. I No, no. You you specifically mentioned two things that I was hoping you would mention, being the RPOs and the full field stuff. Yeah. If I, if I make you – I'm going to stick with the sentence I was going to say as a reference to last week's show, but boy, I hate saying it. Uh, if, if I make you be the optimistic Seth. Um, and, and say, Hey, make some people feel, make some people feel a little more optimistic about some of the, the things that are happening here. Is there a world in your, in your mind where that evolution for the chiefs offense is a good thing? Sure. Um, basically it's, it's going to be a matter of number of mouths to feed. You're never going to replace Tyreek Hill. Right. Right. Um, you, you just can't, he's too good. However, his presence in a way somewhat dictated some of the things they did last year. And whereas if you now go to a little more of, all right, we don't have a superstar wide receiver anymore. And to be fair, the first two years of his career, people thought Juju Smith-Schuster was a superstar. So we'll see how he does mm-hmm. in, a div- in a different role. With the quarterback with two working arms. Yes. Um, and we'll, we'll see how that goes. But now you, and you've got a very functional deep threat and a, and a, and a solid wide receiver in MVS. MVS is not even like... He, he's 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 an average starting NFL receiver who's a well above average deep threat. He's a good deep threat. Mm-hmm. And so you might see a little more conventional play action stuff, a little more spreading the ball around a little bit. That could be a good thing in the aggregate. And that right. good thing, yeah. and that good thing manages to ha- perhaps make up for the loss of Hill. They're not going to be better. Unless they do something really weird, right? If they trade for, you know, because people mentioned Tyler Lockett. And that was one person report. Who knows, right? Uh, it makes sense contract-wise, whatever. Like, if they trade it for for Tyler Lockett, I think you can make a strong argument that their receiving core, despite the loss of Hill, is better than last year because you lose Hill, you gain, you know, a Lockett-level player who's a really, really good player, an MVS and a Juju Smith-Schuster, and you're spreading the ball around more. You can argue then it's better. At this point, I think you can maybe do enough to alter the offense to where you you end up in relatively the same place if Juju Smith-Schuster is as good in the offense as they hope. Can can we can we acknowledge someone on the Chiefs roster uh, who needs to be excellent yet again this upcoming season? Oh boy. Have we not said Travis Kelsey's name yet? Is that him? Who's also 32 years old. Yeah. I mean, t- Travis Kelsey has always told me how Tyreek Hill sets so many things up for him mm-hmm. in terms of, the, you know, operating in the middle of the field, being the, you know, the 
ridiculous X receiver just because he can <laughs> um, in certain formations. And I'm just I'm just fascinated to see Kelsey in this operation as well. Um, because the offense is going to change. Yes. Um, and so, boy, do they need another Travis Kelsey Hall of Fame season. <laughs> yep. <laughs> At the age of 32. <laughs> going, He's going to be 33 on October 5th, just by the way. Um, so, I mean, Travis Kelsey's your best weapon? And he's, you know... We'll see. Uh, I'm, this is not and, me. This is not I, me. I would this just. Is... I would just say. I think Travis Kelsey was just as good as Tyreek Hill last year. Oh, of but he's course. 30, he's thirty-two. Of course. And teams, I think they had. To, that's one reason they had to get MVS. They had to get a very legitimate deep threat because you cannot have teams saying, "Okay, we are going to line up on Kelsey now," and they're still going to. By the way, yeah, but yeah. You can at least help, and that's why they need one more receiver too. Because, and again, it's like, well, how much help does a Hall of Fame tight end need? You're ta- I'm talking about to get optimal return. Yes. Because I think Kelsey's going to be great either way, barring injury. Yes. But that's he- one reason they had to go get MVS. They had to get a legitimate, consistent deep threat. And, and you can be effective without touching the ball. Like, yes. I don't want to, I don't, I mean, I want to make that point clear too. Like, if Travis Kelsey's numbers go down next season, it, it's, you know, there would be more reasons for that than, well, he would still have a, a large impact on what the other side of the field was doing. And the idea that, like, I mean, they were using him at times last year as a decoy in the red zone, and it was comical. Even though he probably could have had four more touchdowns in his own right. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I just, I find that part to be fascinating, too. That, like, at every turn, Travis Kelsey's been great. Obviously, he was great before Patrick Mahomes was on the team. Uh, he was great before Tyreek Hill became Tyreek Hill. And the projection now is he'll be great without Tyreek Hill. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I'm, I'm just I just wanted to sprinkle him in a, a, as well. No, because it's important uh, because you know we're talking about the the new guys and then a little bit of one you know McCall Hardman contract year and all of that. Mentioning Tyree, mentioning Travis Kelsey is important. I also am kind of sitting here thinking like if they run out this exact offense. I feel like I can see our our post game pods. Like I, I feel like I can see a, a world in which it just doesn't feel like enough. Now we've we're all on the same page. I think now they're going to draft a receiver high, but it feels to me like they need they need to draft AJ Brown. Like they not that they it's not just that they need to get a good player, which with whichever pick they use first on a receiver. It feels like they need to have the guy that is going to either immediately or or soon become the bell cow receiver on this offense. Also, that Juju deal is one year, by the way. Yep. You mentioned Valdez Scantling. Yep. That's a two-year deal, essentially. This position like is patchwork for 2022 right now. That's a factor here. I just... <sighs> Yeah, I don't know, guys. It, well, it bums me out, man. Yeah, well, with with a certain receiver of of a skill set of size, hands, and speed, um, what is Aaron Rodgers really good at on the perimeter that I that Patrick Mahomes did to end the Buffalo Bills this season? Ball placement. It's ball placement and it's back shoulder throws. Yep, and it's something that hasn't been really. Uh, utilizing the offense a ton, but I do wonder 
with Scantlin's size of six two, or excuse me, six four, um, and I believe he's around two ten. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, Pro Football Reference has him at uh, looking at it now here. Um, two hundred and six pounds. Uh, by the way, that that this player is is has a larger frame than Byron Pringle, Demarcus Robinson, and Tyreek Hill. So you could, there are short yardage things you could do. There are red zone things, uh, and I'm just wondering if there's if there's a way for you know Mahomes to have a, a few back shoulder throws to taller receivers who can win one-on-one, not just with speed, but also with size. Are they going to trade for LaVisca Chanel? Can you just tell us so I can know? Uh, I think part of that was kind of contingent on Valdez Scantlin. Um, okay. it's, still, it's still a possibility. Um, <sighs> um I didn't tell Nate I was going to ask him to how, tell how this. Do I, now I'm just letting, <laughs> sit, letting him sit here and doggy paddle a little bit. How do, Sorry. I, how do I want to phrase this? Nate's um, swimming in a pool. I just tossed him an anvil. Some people thought the deal was done when Ooh. I when I wrote it in The Athletic. Some people. Now others will tell you that nothing's happened. Um, you can make the automatic connection that Doug Peterson uh, and Andy Reid, along with Brett Veach, of course, can can work something out. Um, I don't know about Mr. Balky. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me neither. <laughs> cause, uh, cause you know, how much money did they give Christian Kirk? Just, I just want to remind everybody how much money they gave Christian Kirk. They had to play the, they had to, to pay the Jags tax. I get it. You know, no, no state income tax, but you have to pay extra for being a Jaguars. I get it. <laughs> uh, is, what, isn't he making like 18 mil a year? It's a lot. I'll, I'll get you. I'll get you those uh, facts. Uh, I'll bring them so, to here. So anyway, uh, Chenault is going into year three on a rookie deal, has a ton of skill sets that um, will be intriguing to you, which is why the Jaguars uh, drafted him, but mm-hmm. gave Zay Jones a lot of money. Zay yep. Jones. Yep. Uh, and Christian Kirk, who somehow, man, who, like, I don't even know his agent, but, uh Chef kiss to you. So it's uh yeah it's it's twenty one five each year twenty twenty three twenty 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 four and twenty twenty five that twenty twenty five year five million dead cap so probably probably four years for sub twenty eighteen eighteen million maybe yeah yeah I I think like the real number is like eighteen but man just a lot. It's a lot for a person who's never been to the Pro Bowl. Yeah. So now what? Because here's the other thing: mm-hmm. if you're if you're turning on this podcast, we could absolutely do another forty five minutes just on the receivers. Because like I I you should go read Seth's breakdown of Juju Smith Schuster still up on the the Chief of the North News. I was up till four thirty in the morning though, writing that thing, and they just tweeted it out. You know, you were you were working on this for weeks, and they just tweeted it out. It's different because Tyreek Hill's not on the field now for the Chiefs, but you should go look at that. It gives you a good picture of what Juju can do really yes. well. Nate, of course, has been covering all of this step-by-step step up on The Athletic. But the other side of things here, and just because I don't, I don't know what we need to say still about the receiver position. It's not done. Not a lot. 
It's oh no, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, right. that's that's the big I, I, thing. In, right. So I, I, my question is only: Will we will we be waiting until April, and then will will we be waiting until pick twenty nine? Those are the two questions that I would ask. I am not asking: Will there be another receiver on this roster at some point? So with that being said, the other thing is not a ton has happened outside of the receiver position uh, on this team since the last episode we did. Um, I don't remember if Andrew Wiley had signed at that point or not, but that is a, a pretty mm-hmm. major one. They've added another tackle. Blake Bell is back. There's a few of those guys that there have been some some hey, smaller hey, retaining additions. Hey, 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 what about what about Dion Bush? Dion Bush he, is here. He, is that that's the safety that tweeted like, hey Chiefs Kingdom, what's up? Yes. And then do not like, yes. oh, I'll get you guys later. My bad. That was so bad timing. That's my so bad. He entered a ro- he entered a room with pizza, and the room was on fire. Yes, yes, he yes. He handled it super wow, well. Yes. That was so funny. That's exactly. I, I I I hope he starts now. I hope just based on being funny. Well, you hold on. Well, and he he just might. Hold on. No, man. Whoa, I, wait, wait, wait. I I I wrote. Why are you saying that? Well, you know it's bad when I write an article like, "What is the plan for the Chiefs' defense?" Because like, whew. The cupboard, although now they're hosting Arden Key, who's an interesting, yes. interesting pass rushing mm-hmm. option. Um, right I'll, now, the defensive end position, and you can, you can take it from here, Seth. The defensive end position right now is Frank Clark on essentially a restructured one-year deal. Uh, Mike Dana, Josh Kando, Seth Kaiser, Nate Taylor, and that's the depth chart. <laughs> can, I, can I also mention something that I don't know if it's been reported or put out there about some background in, in terms of the Tyreek Hill stuff. Yes. Uh, yeah. Because oh, this, yeah. this this just came to mind. And it's how deep you get into it where you're like, wow, that was like days ago, which feels like chapters ago. But anyway, the thought process from the front office, um, because as we talked in previous episodes, hey, there's a reason this pass rusher that you want on your team is – is is a free agent. There's a reason. Um and as these plans sort of shake out, I think the Chiefs thought, okay, if Drew Rosenhaus wants to get something done sooner rather than later, if Tyreek Hill wants to know where his future is as he enters the last year of his deal sooner than later, okay, maybe we could swing this in a certain fashion to where we get the extension done with Tyreek Hill and that create cap space. And because we've secured Tyreek Hill's future, now we can go out and pursue a pass rusher that is on the market for a reason, i.e. he ain't perfect. Um, mm-hmm. What they didn't want to do is say, let's sign, insert pass rusher you want. And then Tyreek Hill's like, what about me? Mm. I thought we were talking. I thought I was the one who's been to six straight Pro Bowls. I thought so, so much of like any industry, any business, it's, it's relational. Um, And the Chiefs thought that they were doing their due diligence, not just on their homework about these veteran pass rushers who are already off the market for various reasons, and the fact that those players are only going to get older, they ain't going to get younger, um, and none of those players are as impactful as keeping Tyreek Hill. Mm-hmm. And so their best-case scenario in some in some ways was, 
we get Tyreek Hill, it gives us a better chance on the second wave of free agency to go get a pass rusher to put together with Chris Jones and Frank Clark. And we all know where that where that conclusion uh went in the opposite direction. So not to add more pain, <laughs> but this this is this is yeah. I just I just wanted to mention that. Just so everybody has a better you, understanding. You okay, Josh? Contextually. Because I know that goes right to the thing that, that that has you so kind of bothered by this, which makes sense. I'm bothered by it. But that it took them by surprise. This is a this is not plan yeah. A. This is plan B. This is crap went wrong and we're adapting, which I'm glad they've got a plan B. And they ended up with, you know, like a zillion picks because of it. And some cap space. I get that. And it's important to be able to pivot. But yeah, it, is, and, and it is tough when it feels like some of the stuff has surprised them this year. Well, right. I, I, I understand that vantage point. I also know, too, that in a room with or on a, on a, on a conference call, that, that might be probably better. On a conference call, Zoom call, that involves Mike Berganzi, Brett Veach, Clark Hunt and Andy Reid, are you comfortable paying this person top of the market money in the third year of this deal? Right. When he's 31 years old. And he's not the fastest receiver anymore. Mm -hmm. And he's not the biggest receiver either. And it's a sport where you get injured more times than not, the older you get. Sure. And... We gave the most money already to Patrick Mahomes at one point. We gave the most money at one point to Joe Tooney. Frank Clark's making sizable amounts of money. Uh, we said no to doing that yet again with Tyron Matthew. Uh, Travis Kelsey makes a lot of money for a tight end. Mm-hmm. Orlando Brown's going to make a lot of money for a left tackle. Oh man, it's a hard choice. Yeah, there's there's got to be a line in the sand somewhere, and and that, that kind of brings us full circle, I suppose. Um, yeah, if I can sneak this in on here's the one one last part of that that does bother me. You know, God bless Joe Tooney; he's great at his job. His job's not as important, and they gave him all that money knowing that that was going to be something they had to work around. That Frank if- Clark trade continues to hurt them. Like we we mentioned that as a choice the Chiefs had to make, and they they made the choice. They they made their they made their choices and then still ended up not being able to like to to trade Tyreek Hill on their own terms. It felt like I just there there's something unwieldy there that that yeah. bugs me. You must protect the quarterback at all cost because he is the yeah. greatest asset in the franchise's history, and we do not want this player to become Russell Wilson or Andrew Luck. It's just way it's way harder to find in a top three receiver than it is a, a top three guard or or guard that will uh, that will ultimately hold his water in that position. Like Trey Smith's an aberration. I understand that because of his health stuff that had him drop. But like their two guards are the highest paid guard in NFL history and a sixth round pick. Like I don't. I would rather I would rather keep the wide receiver personally. But again, but, I understand but, but that down, are, down the road this contract yeah. might not look very good. I, that 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 is not lost on me. You're the, right. The, yeah. The structure of it all feels like the prioritization might have been built upside down. Yeah. So 
this is why this is so fascinating because I don't think either one of us are wrong. And I and I hope the listener understands that too. Yeah. Like based on your perspective, no one's no one's flat out wrong. <laughs> but we're just trying to give um perspective, context and reasoning behind what the team has done and and have, and have chosen not to do. Seth, I'm going to just let you talk again and not interrupt you, I promise. That's fine. I didn't even realize that you interrupted me. Um I, for me, I'm already at the point, um, you know, for me, I, I understand paying Joe Tooney. I, I honest to God, it seems unfair, but it all just keeps coming back to, to Clark and Hitchens for me. And you can't hit yeah. on every one of those, but you had, they had, they not whiffed so terribly in a lot of ways on Clark. And I hate saying it that way because again, the playoffs, et cetera, et cetera. But man, he was getting Von Miller 2022 money back in 2019. And when you think about what the cap does over the years, that's kind of crazy when you think about it. After yeah. trading to, you know, two really high level picks, because then, you know, you lose the cheap labor, blah, blah, blah. Everyone knows that. I, and that's where I keep coming back to is I'm never going to have a problem with them paying really good players. Um, you know, with the obvious exceptions of like, you know, you can't pay a fullback a certain amount of money, but it really is, I think a good thing that you draw a line in the sand eventually. And I think even had they not signed Joe Tooney, I think had they signed some other guard for half that money, I can't help but wonder if they would still be in the same place with Hill and would have driven, driven, drawn that same line in the sand because I, because it wasn't about can't. It's about wouldn't. And right. that's, it's interesting though that Hill is the line in the sand. It's like, really? Tyreek Hill. And I think yes. that's what you're getting at. It's like, that's the line, huh? Like, that's that's yeah. where we're going to say, you know, not not a guy who's who's like, at, at when the Chiefs got Clark, he was, you know, he was a top 10 edge. Maybe, to, maybe hovering top seven, but it's not like he was like, whereas Hill is like, he's that dude. So it'll be, mm-hmm. it'll be interesting to see moving forward. I just, it's so easy to look at all the, like, I, maybe I'm buying into, you know, the whole, like, throw enough mud at the wall and see what sticks, draft approach, you know, that kind of, it's hard not to look at all these shiny new picks when I, when we, when we write about Tyree Kill and I, I just had to, like, list out the draft picks for 2022. That is a buttload of picks. And it's yeah. fun to look at. And it's fun to think about what you can do with it. And so I think that's already starting to ease the pain for people, which that says something about us and our, our attention spans. Hey, I also think it's interesting that you and I have we have we have had the opposite of this conversation before. <laughs> like it is it is a funny place to be where I'm like, I just don't I think I'd rather have the elite player and and fewer of those picks. You're like, oh, but but Josh, the, the draft picks, do you have cheap control over young players for years to come? <laughs> think about what could be behind door number three. It could be a boat, Josh. <laughs> yeah, and, and you know, nothing says optimism. I get that by the way. I part of part of me does also feel that, just to be clear. Yeah. Nothing says optimism and shoot your shot like Picks and cap space. Right. Ah. Which Andy Reid said the phrase picks and cap space. That felt weird. That honestly to me was a red flag. I don't know if I've ever heard Andy Reid say specifically the phrase cap space. That felt, it was written out, I guess. Maybe yes, yeah, yes, yeah. But that yeah, was yeah, a yeah. weird, that hit me funny. But, but look, young fella, you are seeing a, a, a person that you would like to pursue uh, romantically. 
Ain't nothing like having some picks and cap space, my guy. <laughs> what's, I, what, what's the bean single equivalent of picks and cap space? Ma'am, ma'am, you looking you looking nice. We out here, we see you. You know, if you have if you have located someone that you would like to get to know a little bit more, hey, cap space <laughs> and draft picks. That just smells good. I just, I mean, come on. So I think, I think picks and cap space might be money and no kids. Is that an analogy? <laughs> yeah. And, and yeah, and and look, and Seth has always said the cap, the cap's a little bit fake, and you know, we, it extends to his home we, life. We, money, money, and lots of money and no kids is not a lifestyle that Seth. That, is living. that is look, we that can, is not. Uh, I I felt that one in my bones. It was really, yeah, so it was really tough to have it, you know, confirmed to me that I am not an appealing single person. <laughs> Can I interest hey, you look. in a thirty-seven-year-old father of five who's happily married? I mean, that just doesn't—that doesn't hit right. So, so what you're saying is, you know, the first wave of free agency, i.e., the bar, you don't have to—you don't have to do that, you know. But the second wave. When you got picks and cap space, oh, you out here. See, see, everybody's revolving around you, okay? Oh, mm-hmm. uh, and that's where the Kansas City Chiefs are. So, look, 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 look real quick. I got, I got, real. I got to say something real quick. Oh, shout out to all the single parents out there getting it done. Yes. Who won the Super Bowl last year? That's you. Yeah. You're the Rams. You can. You don't need. You don't need those picks and those cap space to get that ring. F them picks. For. F them picks. I just. I think that's my analogous thing. But, you know, you're rocking out with the, you know, maybe minimal cap space, maybe minimal picks, but you got some great assets regardless. <laughs> oh, man, crazy. <laughs> Good Lord. Anyway, I, I, I understand we literally don't have time for this, but I would be really curious what is, like, the first round of free agency, second round of free agency, et cetera, in terms of, like, the single scene? Is the first round of free agency, mm. like, the really nice club during the good hours? The second round <laughs> is maybe same club, but we're hitting closing time. Third round of free agency is the dive bar. Like, with the yeah, fourth round yeah. is just the person that you work with, and so it's like, hey, we yeah. have proximity. <laughs> Let's make this work. Like, the, the third wave is we outside – Ooh, is that a is that a Waffle House? <laughs> the third wave of free agency is you're on Tinder letting your friend choose who to swipe on. Like you're not even looking anymore. You're like I can't anymore. You swipe for me, man. I don't know. I don't know. Oh, I apologize. Yes. That's just that that is so intriguing to me as a concept. Um just in terms of like where where so what is what is the hey we have proximity let's make this work what is that like the sixth wave of free agency like we made it through that's right that's right before training camp look we gotta yeah. get we gotta get started some uh, look there's a calendar everybody knows we gotta start uh, hold on I'm gonna get you a date and time hold on let's let's find this one out here I wonder this show's not ending um, until I give you the absolute punchline here. July 20th, 2021 is when Alex Okafor signed with the Chiefs again. Mm. That's, yep, that that's right there so is – that. that's – we both work here and I don't see either of us moving up. Like, you, all right. All right. Come on back. Come on back, Alex Okafor. Hitting, be, being a free agent after a one-year deal for six months. Yeah, sure. And, you're, and, and we need, then – We need a warm and body. And then your parents just picking your spouse for you like my parents did with me. <laughs> that's the Melvin Ingram signing. <laughs> It yes. didn't work out somewhere yes. else. Yes. Mid season. Yeah. 
Would you consider your wife a hostage? I don't know if that's. I don't know if that's great. Are you the Steelers I, now? I, 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 no, I'm the Chiefs. I came in and okay. got extremely lucky and, and that you, someone you, else was dissatisfied yeah. with their situation. Ooh, that's good. You, you rectified a mistake. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's right. That's right. Oh man, the strain that that poor man is catching right now. <laughs> Sarah, I got a, I got a sixth round pick. I know that's not. Yeah, done. What are you <laughs> sure? Yeah. What? Boom. Yeah. <laughs> I apologize. Today was my fault. So that that's on me. I no. I we didn't let you talk for a really long time. I was honestly feeling bad about it. I feel like ultimately this show got exactly where it belongs, which is <sighs> jokes about you like overachieving in your marriage i, I think all, that i think that that means that it's an episode of times are everything officially. circles back to two things in my life the gospel or the fact that somehow i married a really hot chick i which might be a direct factor of yeah, the gospel and the power you want of it. proof of the power <laughs> you want the you want the proof of the of divine power bam seth kind of. <laughs> So we'll do another one of these episodes, pro- I mean, I don't know, soon-ish. In the meantime, go check out Seth's work. He's at the Chief of the North newsletter, mnchiefsfan.substack.com. Follow him on Twitter, at RealMNChiefsFan. Of course, follow Nate on Twitter. You're already following Nate on Twitter, at ByNateTaylor. You can read all of his work up on The Athletics. Some really good insight that he also relayed here today about what went wrong with Tyreek Hill and the Chiefs, Juju Smith-Schuster signing, the Marquez Valdez-Scantling signing, anything you want to know over the course of the off season, nobody's bringing better information around here than Nate. So go check that out in the athletic. You can follow me on Twitter as well at JB Briscoe. I mostly now tweet jokes and uh, I felt pretty good about a video that I put out making fun of the chiefs off season plan so far, because as, as the chiefs were totally retooling their entire offense, I was on a merry-go-round slash carousel <laughs> in, somewhere around St. Louis, Missouri. That's a real thing that really happened. So, uh, with that being said, that's the episode. Again, we'll, we'll do another one soon because stuff feels like it's going to keep happening. It uh, won't be too long. Maybe we even have time for questions next time. And uh, I think I think that pretty much does it. Sorry to all the Chiefs that re-signed this week. We'll probably do a little rundown at the end of the third wave of free agency yeah. and let you know that um, Michael Burton's back. But, um, you know, another season of Chad Henney. That might have happened before the last episode. I'm mm-hmm. not sure. Yeah. They, they brought some guys back. They, they filled out the roster a tiny bit so far, but the, the departure was a little bit of a bigger story this week. So with that being said, Nate, I'll let you get us out of here. All right. So this is my request for everybody. Uh, hope you enjoyed the show, obviously. Um, if you're on Twitter, mention me, Josh, Seth. Uh, tell us who your wide receiver crush is because we're here, guys. Yo, yes. We're no here. draft crush is coming. And- you want to announce yours, Nate? You want to announce it? Look, I, I I had a lovely conversation or two with Drake London. Um, you know, I oh he can play. Oh no, he he mm-hmm. he real good. Chris, how do they say it? Uh, Olave? Olave. 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 Olave can play too. Oh man, the way that he yeah he up looks like it, he looks like yeah he, like Chris Olave. You just been looking at him on Instagram, and you need to you need to take a break. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Oh, step away from the screen, my guy. Um, <laughs> here, here's my here's my crush. I don't care if he hurt. Oh, I don't yep. care. Yep. I don't care if he hurt. 
Jamison Williams is that guy. He's that dude. If he gets back to full health, I don't see how you can. I don't see how you can stop. Okay, I don't. I don't see how you can pass. So I talked to him obviously at the combine. Uh, very nice young man. Uh, clearly knows his his football because obviously he played at Ohio State, went to Alabama, did the Alabama thing, which is I'm always open. Mm-hmm. Stop the tape. Is he open? Yeah, he open. So that's my guy for right now. It may change, obviously, because look, you gotta gotta treat this like the Bachelor, the Bachelorette, and then the team picks the rose kind of for you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so exactly. so here we are. A lot of love in this episode. Yeah, yeah, a lot of a lot of love. But like, again, I can't I can't wait to see who everybody's first round wide receiver crushes are. That just says, look, I'm liking every photo. I'm looking at all the comments. I'm at the bio page, and I'm watching the highlight tapes twice. 